Hello and welcome to the Men Able Matters podcast, brought to you by the Men Able Movement. I'm Steve Whitten, the founder of Men Able, and it's our intention to bring you hints, tips and the inside stories from our fabulous guests to help you to understand mental health and to get the global automotive industry talking about it as an everyday subject. So join us with another fantastic guest here on Men Able Matters. Welcome to another episode of Men Able Matters with me, Steve Whitten. Now, we have a commitment to bring you fantastic guests who have some amazing insights into the world as they see it and the work that they do. And my guest today is a fantastic coach, trainer, consultant, facilitator. And, um, well, as far as I'm aware, he's probably one of the leading experts in spiritual intelligence. And it's our absolute pleasure to introduce Paul Burton. Paul, how are you, sir? I'm good, Steve. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Yeah, thank <laughs> You're you more for the than intro. One. Yeah. <laughs> was that all right? Was that intro okay? <laughs> yeah, probably says a little bit more about me than uh, I would have said. So thank you. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll tell you what, you can fill in the gaps now because we have okay. a tradition on Men Able Matters that we hand over to you now for a right. bit of an intro into who you are, where you're from and what you do. And as I always jokingly say, if you can make that last about 25 minutes, that'd be brilliant. Easy, you don't have to, easy. of course. <laughs> yeah, one of my favourite subjects myself. So, uh, yeah, well, I'll yeah, have a go at the 25 minutes. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. So, as Steve said, my name's Paul Burton. Uh, I started a business called Conscious Connections, and it's all about connecting people and businesses to spiritual intelligence, which for a lot of people, the word spiritual sounds uh, as if it's religious, and it's not. Mm-hmm. So, I'll explain more about that later. So, uh, to give you a bit of my background, I've been in the motor industry since the late 80s. Uh, worked for retailers, worked for manufacturers, worked for finance companies as well. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where my connection with Steve started and have been delivering leadership courses for a number of manufacturers for the last 18 odd years. And really the, the piece around spiritual intelligence came out of the, the lockdown, really. COVID changed everything for me, changed the way I looked at things. And gave me an opportunity to take pause and work out what was actually important for me Mm, mm. and what was missing for me. Yeah. And for a long while, I'd been talking about emotional intelligence. And I'm guessing most of your listeners will understand what emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. is about. And in terms of IQ, believe it or not, I've got an IQ of 142. Wow. Which puts me uh, in the top. Did you buy that off? the plant with Benson, yeah, and it puts me in the top one percent of the planet, believe it wow, or not. Wow, that's amazing. Tells you absolutely nothing about me, it doesn't tell you no. whether I do anything in a crisis, whether I'd be a good shoulder to cry on, whether I'd be fun at parties. It just tells you I'm great at solving puzzles. Yeah, yeah. Emotional intelligence is more about that. And when I started working with emotional intelligence 18 years ago. Businesses were saying there's no place in business for emotions, Paul. It's all about the bottom line. It's all about how many deals have we done today? How many hours have we sold? Have we hit our parts target? There's no emotion in it. It's just business. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm sure most businesses recognize that certainly in leaders, emotional intelligence is important Mm -hmm. because actually what emotional intelligence uh, starts to indicate is people with high emotional intelligence are likely to handle pressure well. And if they handle pressure well, they're likely as leaders to help and support their team when they're under pressure as well to get the best out of them. 
And that's becoming increasingly important. So now for most companies, when we talk about emotional intelligence, everyone goes, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Now there's the, the new one you mentioned earlier, which is about spiritual intelligence. And what I started looking at was I'd been really happy with what I've been doing. Something was missing for me. Uh, and, I, and it came down to something Simon Sinek talked about, which was my why. Why was I doing it? What was driving me? And my belief is that, that everybody is capable of far more than they realize. And my role as, a, as a, a leadership facilitator was to help them to connect to that and bring it to work with them every day. And that turns out is really what spiritual intelligence is about. So it's, it can be about your connection to God or the universe or an almighty, whatever that is for you. Actually, it's more about understanding what your purpose is and why you are doing what you're doing. And each of us has our own mm. version of that. Mm -hmm. And when you are connected to it consciously, it becomes your inner sat-nav. Right. Oh, I In like that. That's a yeah, nice phrase. Sat-nav works on the, the basis that uh, I already know where I am. Mm -hmm. I know where I would choose to be. And then Satnav gives me three choices to get there. Yeah. The quick yeah. route, the pretty route, or the shortest route. Mm. Many of us take the shortest route. And actually, sometimes the longer, prettier route gives us more opportunity to grow as individuals. Mm. Mm. And because of the pressures in business, most people tend to follow the shortest route because it's all about you're only as good as your last day, your last week your last month yeah so as, as you make this transition towards more spiritual intelligence then i mean why do you yeah. think traditionally there's been so much um emphasis put on the intellectual intelligence and then you know why was there so much resistance to emotional intelligence because you you know you genuinely are taking this leaps and bounds above any of that so what what was the resistance why, why was there so much reliance on on the on iq and then the resistance to eq Right. So part of it was because IQ was really easy to measure. Mm. That, that was the piece. So IQ was, was easily measured. And we are used to going through school, being assessed constantly on our ability to answer a math question or to regurgitate some bio, biology information we're given or <laughs> yeah. some, some chemical symbols that we learned. And mm. for some of us, those are clearly really important if we're chemists or we're psychologists or biologists. Mm. For most of us that are doing kind of mainstream jobs, those things are less important. However, mm. the ability to be able to do that and prove that by passing exams has become the easiest way, even when we're selecting people to work for us, we tend to be looking for a minimum maths, English, GCSE, or in old money, O-levels for me, as a minimum before we'd even talk to somebody. Mm. And those things, whilst they're important, don't tell you anything about the character of that person. So for a long while, uh, the, you know, the, the courses I've been facilitating have been encouraging people in particularly the motor industry, to recruit for attitude and not aptitude. Because if people have an attitude to grow, to learn, to take on board feedback and to genuinely choose to improve their performance on a daily basis, it's very easy for us to show them what the job or the task involves. Yeah, yeah. 
if somebody understands the job or the task, however, they don't have that character within them, then as leaders, we find ourselves spending an extraordinary amount of time working to keep those people pointing in the direction that we feel they should be pointing in. Mm, and that's mm. stopping us from doing what we could and should be doing, which is focusing on what managers and leaders are supposed to be doing, which yeah, is taking yeah. a slightly longer term or a medium term view, as opposed to the day to day nuts and bolts of have they turned up? Have they got their uniform on? What kind of mood are they in? Stuffed. And when did you, um, when did you first come across the concept of, of spiritual intelligence? Cause ironically, you know, I've talked to you about this a lot. Um, you and I have shared some extensive long walks together and talked about this yeah, sort of off, yeah. off in the woods. Yeah. Uh, offline. That sounded really bad actually, didn't it? But <laughs> if you went down to the woods today, you'd get a big surprise, wouldn't you? Absolutely, me and you yeah, too many the world to rights. The world to rights right before your eyes. <laughs> exactly. Um, but all of that together, you know, when you, when you talk about spiritual intelligence, you, you can't help but go, that's so obvious. It just absolutely yeah. makes sense. And yet, you know, why here we are, a pair of guys in our, uh, you know, I don't know, what whatever age we are at. I'm in the late 50s, yeah, I'm 58. Yeah, time. I'm not far behind you. So, um, you know, why why has this been a like a revelation recently, if you like? Uh, for me, it was having the mental space. So mm. since uh, since lockdown, I've not really, because everything was face-to-face -face and I used to fly all over the planet delivering courses, that's all stopped. So actually having the luxury of time to sit and ponder and work out what's important to me mm. has brought a lot of this. And mm. I've uh, as part of my role working on behalf of other manufacturers, my role generally has been to help connect other people to what was important to them mm. as opposed to what was important to me. So now started to do that and recognize that actually that's how businesses can be run as well. If, mm. if you've got a business that's got a clear purpose, and let's be very clear about this, profit is an important part of being a business. You're not a business if you're not generating a profit. Totally get that. What it appears to me that's happened for a lot of businesses, not just in the motor industry, is that the primary driver is shareholder value or profit or bottom line. And whilst that is a purpose, it's not the purpose. No, it's more of a goal, isn't it? Absolutely. And so it's actually yeah. what, what made you, if you're a one-man band, what was it that made you choose to become... Mm a retailer of motor cars. What was mm. it? Did you love the brand? Did you love the idea? Did you love the fact that you wanted to serve the community and make them more mobile? Whatever that is, that is if we can get people back connected to that, then what happens as a business is that we become more coherent. So everybody who comes to work understands their purpose and they understand how what they do links to what the business purpose is. So what if you're an employee? Yeah. And, and I, I think this is the, the critical bit for me. So forgive me if I'm peeking a bit too soon here. But if you're an employee yeah. and you are desperate to get a sense of your own personal purpose yeah, and you're in a business where you've got no idea what the purpose of that business is, what what's going to happen what, there? I mean, you know, and how can you overcome it? Okay. So, so for me, uh, this is probably a bit drastic, really. My story is I, I came into the motor industry by accident. Um, you wouldn't be alone. Actually, 
Uh, well, I was looking for a job as a business manager and interviewed for Pat Ryan's and they said, listen, you know, we'd actually like you to come and work for Pat Ryan and Associates. And it was all about being inside a system, observing what was going on so that if you could influence the system whilst you were inside of it, once you moved outside of it, you would also be able to influence change within that system. And I love that job. It's probably one of the best jobs I ever had. And then as everything, things moved on and I changed. And I got to the point where I had one or two jobs where they were really toxic environments for me. And I, I now looking back, recognize that they were toxic because they ran counter to my values and the way that what was important to me, which I now know is my why. Mm-hmm. So they were more focused on what I did wrong or other people did wrong and blaming than they were in learning from mistakes, encouraging people to grow. And in the end, I ended up in a job where that got so bad for me that it impacted my mental health. Mm-hmm. So that's when I left and started working for myself. And just put that in context, leaving uh, an employed job to start working for yourself for some people is quite a, a stretch and actually quite a big deal. At that same time, I'd also moved house and doubled my mortgage and my first child was born. So looking back now, I have no idea how I did that or, or, or why I did that. What I do know is as soon as I'd made that decision, I felt better and things got better for me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's about looking to see whether there's an alternative outside of the organisation. And in other organisations, since doing that and being involved in leadership programmes with organisations, I've recognised that actually it is possible for all of us to change uh, organisations from within as well by learning to stay true to ourselves Mm. and our our ethics. And then what that does is it enables us to insulate ourselves from what's going on around us. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, we can maintain our equilibrium, even if outside is constantly trying to pull us off of our centre or our navigational path from our inner sat-nav. We can stay true to that. So, but you, you, know, you said I'm there that you'd, you'd made a bit of a you'd made a bit of a leap. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, we deal with, uh, and you and I, you know, this, as you said earlier, we've connected because of our connections through the industry and training and so on. Yeah. And over the years between us, we've dealt with hundreds, if not thousands of people who are fearful of, of making that kind of leap. Yeah. Um, and we're not talking about jumping, a jumping ship and becoming self-employed, but making that leap in, into an understanding of your own purpose. Sure. And part of it is that it's about um, having, you know, what I've come up with is a program of various tools that help people to, mm remain true to themselves Mm. in some of those difficult situations and more importantly what happens for most of us and certainly happened for me is when I feel disconnected from my sat nav which is what I recognize it was now it became very stressful for me at work so these are practical tips that help people to handle that stress so that they can stay true to themselves and if they're in a position to actually choose to move and go and find the right place for them to fit as well, mm, mm. then absolutely it gives them the skills to be able to do that as well. Yeah, This is not about uh, saying to everybody, if you don't like it where it is, go somewhere else. It's actually about understanding how much control you have over the way you react to what's happening around you mm, and mm. choosing 
to react in a way that keeps you true to where you are. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And I, I think, you know, we've, uh, well, I've talked about it for many years, you know, with people saying you can still live uh, to a sense of purpose or live a purposeful life, even if you're doing the most mundane you know, unrewarding, unfulfilling job that there is. You just, you know, it's a, it's a state of mind, isn't it? It is. You know, yeah. Living to your purpose doesn't mean that you're all going to go off and suddenly become the Dalai Lama. You know, it's about, um, mm. you know, living to this, this, this mindset of, yeah, I'm living a sense of purpose and I'm adding value to everyone I meet. And that's beautiful because that's what you're talking about. There is that's where the kind of the spiritual piece about the Dalai Lama comes in. Actually, if you want a piece of science around this, there's something called the biosocial theory. And what that talks about is the bio, the biology piece says mm. that each of us has our own internal way of dealing with emotions, our own emotional thermostat. Some of us are over-emotional, some of us are under-emotional. And as we go through life, we can appear to others to overreact to certain situations. So that's mm. the bio side. The social side says that actually our environment also creates pressures for that as well. So therefore, we have two choices to become more effective as individuals. Mm. We can deal with the environment by asking for what we want in the environment, mm. by becoming more assertive rather than being perhaps submissive or yep. overly aggressive. Yep. And the other side of that is that if we can begin to, and this is the emotional intelligence piece, recognize our emotions and manage our emotions, then we put ourselves in the place where we can begin to impact the situations that we find ourselves in or the environments we find ourselves in. So mm -hmm. what I'm looking to do with Conscious Connections is work on both sides of that. So I absolutely work with the individuals inside the organization to give them the resilience and the connection to their inner sat-nav and also to help the business recognize actually what is this business all about? What are some of the, the behaviors and the ways that we've, uh, we've been operating that have kept us stuck? What stories do we tell in our organization that create an environment that for some people may be toxic? Yeah, yeah. And where actually in our organization is the power? Because in a lot of organizations, everyone believes that the, the power is in the, the head of business or the deed of principal or retail principal's office. Invariably, it's not. So here's a here's a a, a far-reaching question, then, Paul. Yeah. Um, you're working in a busy dealership. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't want to date this podcast, but it is the first of September that we're recording this, it right? Is, so yeah. it's a um, it's a traditional day in the automotive industry where it's frantic to say the least. Yeah, uh, and it means that yesterday, of course, was month end which yeah. is equally frantic. And I'm a, I'm a great believer in saying, you know, why does month end always catch us by surprise? Because there's bloody 12 of them every year and it's the same every month. I'm sure it's the same across many businesses in different sectors. But yeah. what you were just saying there sounds to me like involving a leader, for example, or somebody to take time out to sit back and reflect on all those things you've just said. You know, what's going on in my business? Where's this sort of spiritual alignment and all the rest of it? I can just envisage, and I'm thinking back to my not too distant past of being a dealer principal and yeah. thinking, best will in the world, I ain't got time for that. So what's your view on that? You know, what what and how can we do that in this like busy, frantic environment that we work in? 
Well, so, we, we don't work in, but people out there in the, in the network yeah. do. So to take individuals through, there is three one-hour chunks that can be done remotely or face-to-face to connect people back to that. Mm. In terms of the business, a lot of it happens outside of the business. And then the alignment piece is actually not just the leader. And that's the key thing. This is about everybody in the business. Mm. Uh, traditionally, motor industry have always worked on the fact that, you know, I'm the head of business. And if I can't work out what we're going to do, then nobody else can. Mm. And actually, the whole point of this is that actually all of our people are really smart. And if we give them the space, they will work it out for them. So it's it's not about finding more time. It's about changing the way that the time is utilized. And that one day out for an away day with the leadership team that then leads to talking to other people could even be a half day. Mm-hmm. Then actually a lot of it becomes uh, self-perpetuating inside the organization. And then it's more about simply uh, for heads of business touching base with what's happening with their service manager, their parts manager and their sales manager, and them then cascading it down. So it's a different way of using the time. Mm. And actually the change can be really swift if everyone's involved and actually up for it, because it's probably not totally changing the business. Mm. This is about one or two small tweaks. So it could simply be, the way that the communication operates in the business and changing the way that that works. It's also about developing trust, two-way trust in an organization as well. Yeah. yeah. So that once that's there, managers spend less time watching what everybody else is doing, as I said at the beginning, because they already know they're doing the right thing. Mm. So it's not as time intensive as it sounds. It's simply okay yeah it's simply about committing to to make the change in the first place and then working with somebody like me i can take care of a lot of that Mm. and then just involve people as and when they needed to be so it's not going to take days or weeks of a head of business's time at all so what's all this done for you personally then because you know you've told us a bit about your background your story and, and obviously i know that you know like many others in in our world you know we were ravaged is that that's the right word by the pandemic everything came to a grinding halt uh, and you've found this this area of spiritual intelligence so where where and you know where would you say you are in that respect now compared compared to say two years ago uh so for me uh, i'm certainly less stressed than i was and 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 it's easy to say oh well that's because you're not working paul and actually anyone (laughs) else who's been furloughed will recognize how stressful it is the opposite yeah as well yeah yeah it's for me, it's about staying in the moment. So what it's taught me is that if I focus on this moment in time and the only things that I have any influence over are the words that I choose to use. I can't even influence the questions you ask me. Mm. The influence I have is whether I choose to answer your question or not. And, and so how, by doing that, I've let go of a lot of the things outside that would stress me the things that were outside of my control. So, you know, what the manufacturer's doing, whether the product's any good, mm. uh, whether people are going to come in for service, or all of those things. I have I can have very little influence over that. So I focus on the bits I can do. Mm. So I guess it's um I read a book ages ago by a guy called um Michael Gerber, and he it's called the E-Myth. And he talked about you can be working in the business, which is focusing very much on the minutiae 
on a daily basis in the business and you're very much looking inwards or you can be working on the business which is mm. then looking at how you take it out so for me what it's enabled me to do is to get clarity on actually what's important to me and where I'm going and hence that's why we're having this conversation because mm. I'm very clear about what this means for me mm. and I'm very much looking for businesses that recognize that there is a need for change. So for example, I'm talking to a business at the moment that is looking to double its turnover. And they're struggling because they can't double the amount of warehouse space they've got and they can't double the number of people. So how do they do that? And so this is where working with them, it's about helping them to recognize that if they can get more out of what they've already got, through engaging people and through discretionary effort, they're going a long way towards that. And by choosing what's important and laser guide focus on that and not focusing on all the other things, they free up the time and space to get there. So for me, it's done exactly the same. I've used that time to get very clear about where I am at and what I'm looking for. So it's not going to be something for everybody. It's going to Mm. be something that certain companies are going to go, that's absolutely where we are. This isn't quite, we're not quite where we want to be. We are focusing on the money and that's impacting uh, absenteeism. It's impacting engagement. We've got people off with stress. We're getting higher customer complaints. All of those things simply tells us that the focus is not in the right place. So a simple shift of focus will change all of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. And certainly, I mean, I've taken a lot from our conversations and, you know, you've introduced me to sort of concepts and thoughts and ideas around, you know, how to position some of the things that, that I was thinking about. And you're absolutely right. It's about the, you know, that ability to choose the reaction and, and thinking how and why you're reacting in certain ways. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of simple motivation theory for people, uh, Dan Pink talks about people are motivated when they have a sense of autonomy. So they begin to make their own decisions. Well, if, mm. If I know that I'm aligned with the organization, I'm much more likely to make decisions that you as a leader would expect me to make so mm-hmm. I can be autonomous. Mastery is about continuing to improve what it is I'm doing and improve my performance. And actually people like to get better at things. So giving people constructive feedback instead of focusing on what they don't do drives that. And then the final one, which is the most important one, because in terms of spiritual intelligence, it's having a sense of purpose, understanding what my role has and the impact it has on the organization as a whole. Mm, mm. And when we start to get everybody aligned, everything becomes effortless. Everything yeah, becomes yeah. fun and interesting. And that's when, you know, the magic happens really. That's when things that we never expected to happen unexpectedly happen as well. Yeah. So again, this is all about being better today than, than we were yesterday. So thinking, um, you know, from my time in, in training and as a facilitator, uh, and I know you'll get this as well, Paul, that it's very easy to think of yourself as a bit of a lone wolf, a lone, well, not a lone wolf, a lone voice in the wilderness, I should say. Yeah. Um, why do you think it is that there are, just looking at the automotive industry, you know, there are some clearly some very, very successful businesses. Yeah. But even listening while listening to what you're saying there, I'm thinking... <laughs> You know, we're going to go out with that kind of message, but there'll be people out there who will say, well, I don't need to get it because the business is successful. 
So what, why is it you think that, that we are kind of lone voices in the wilderness about this, this stuff and, you know, people aren't queuing up to go, yeah, I want a bit of that. So I guess it's back to what we started talking about, which is why, why is IQ the measure that people use? Because mm. the measure most people use uh, in terms of whether their business is successful or not is the bottom line. Mm. Mm. And that's brilliant. Uh, and as I said at the beginning, profit's important. Yeah, yeah. The people involved in the business that are being burned out, that are, that are off with stress and all these other things, invariably, that is part of the way the business is running. Mm, mm. And there are lots of businesses out there. Uh, Lego is one of the largest businesses uh, that reinvented itself towards the end of the last century where they stopped focusing on profit and started focusing on their people. And what actually happened for them was that by focusing on their people and creating a better work environment, the profit followed. So this is not about abandoning the money. This is not about let's all have a cuddle in the morning and, and forget about all of those things. Those metrics will obviously, obviously still be there in the business. Mm, mm. Not the, they shouldn't necessarily be the primary focus. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, and that. Richard Branson has always said, you know, if you want your customers treated right, treat your people right. So yeah, yeah. that's where that's pressure from the manufacturer Mm. and all of those other things that have created this situation. And now we're in a position where there's not enough stock. There's, you know, factories are closing and now talking about building to order and everything else. We've got electrification coming in as well. The industry, whether it likes it or not, is going through immense change. Mm. And actually, mm. what a brilliant time to actually take a look at the business practices that we've been using since the 80s, certainly mm. since I was around, I've not seen massive changes i've seen lots of manufacturers saying give customers experiences mm. not necessarily seen dealer groups latching onto that maybe this is the time yeah no you're absolutely right i mean we have a one of our clients in the menable family uh, has a very very clear purpose and that is that they make money in order to give it away yeah you know and what that is is that you know the inference there is look you can come and work for us you can earn a load of money and you know you'll work hard and you'll work long hours and you know do all the usual stuff yeah. but ultimately you know the profits are being uh used for good reason somewhere else along the line it's not just about you know pumping huge dividends and bonus payments yeah. into the pockets of half a dozen people no. you know and as a result the vast majority of people who work for them you know they are engaged in a way that you very rarely see elsewhere because yeah. they they get it and they're like yeah i get that i can earn a load of money but i also know that my efforts are contributing towards someone else benefiting from it who isn't in such a privileged position i love that and yes i mean it takes me all the way back when i said to you about working with pat ryan associates with a business manager i worked with that was particularly uh ruthless mm. uh, and actually appeared on the face of it to be quite an objectionable individual mm. and having worked with him for a while then came to understand that he actually had a disabled son. Right. And so his primary reason for ensuring that he took money out of the business was to be able to provide care for his son when he wasn't around to provide it. And just understanding his why, as I now, now recognise that was his why, mm. you go, oh, okay, I get that. And interestingly enough, although his behaviour did not change, mm. My um, my perception of his behaviour did. 
mm. in a more positive way. So actually, yeah. I found it much easier to work with him when I understood where he was coming from. What we used to call a paradigm shift, Paul. Absolutely. I've got to love a paradigm shift. Yeah. <laughs> and love a does. paradigm shift on a Wednesday or whatever well, day you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, when's a bad day to have a paradigm shift? I don't think there is one. So always a good day for them. No, absolutely. No, that's good. All right. Now, Paul, look, you, I mean, I know you, I said, you know, you've introduced me to the the whole area of spiritual intelligence. And as you said, it's not about religion per se, uh, or, you know, going down that particular route, because that's the connotation of the word spiritual. It's, it's more than that. It's deeper than that. Um, so if people are interested, you know, any of our listeners are hearing this and think, Oh, that sounds fascinating. You know, where can they find more information and more importantly, how can they get hold of you? So uh, the website is uh, www.consciousconnections.co.uk and the E of connections is the number three, mm-hmm. because when you look on the website, you'll notice that it's a, it's a three-step program, three one-hour sessions. Uh, and they're also on there is uh, the option to take uh, an emotional intelligence assessment to mm-hmm. assess your levels of emotional intelligence. And also there is a spiritual intelligence questionnaire on there as well for you to assess your levels of spiritual intelligence. Oh, wow. Okay. And once you've taken those, it will send you an email from me simply inviting you to reach out. Mm-hmm. And the way I work is, is very simple. I'm not about pushing this on anyone. The invitation is if it feels right for you, let's, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. And again, in, in, in terms of costing pricing, people are always interested in costing price. I've talked about profitability. Uh, I work on a system that I call naked pricing, which is that um, I don't have a price list. We would sit down and discuss what it would be worth for you and your business or you as an individual to become more spiritually intelligent. And we'll then have a conversation, come up with a number that works for both of us because everybody's financial situation is different. So Mm -hmm. if if you've been on furlough for the last year and you're actually finding things tough, could be as little as 100 quid and you know if you're a ceo of you know a large group could be more than that yeah yeah so it's absolutely. actually it's all about all of us going with what feels right for us in our gut mm-hmm. so there is no one size fits all here yeah that's yeah the totally get that Paul, that's been fascinating. I mean, I could uh, listen to you talking about this stuff all day long, uh, because apart from anything else, you're beautifully summarizing all of the books that you've read and giving me all of that in, (laughs) whether it's a walk or over a coffee or a beer or whatever we end up doing. And and, uh, I thank you for that and uh, wholeheartedly respect you for that as well. So um, you're a top bloke. Uh, We're glad to have you kind of involved in the the panel or whatever that looks like as we go forward with Menable as well. So uh, Thank you very much. Have you enjoyed being on a Men Abel's Matters podcast? Oh, absolutely loved it. Yeah. It's been brilliant. Thank you very much for being so gentle and so oh, understanding. You're... <laughs> well, you're a top man. Thank you very much. And we'll uh, catch up again soon. Cool. Take care. You've been listening to Men Abel Matters, the podcast brought to you by the Men Able Movement. If you'd like to get involved, join us at menable.org or follow the hashtag menable join us again for another podcast where we'll talk to more fantastic guests and get their hints tips and insights to their personal stories too see you again soon